All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode, I do have to thank some of my new patrons, Arian, Andrea, Jennifer, Roseanne from California Dreaming, Jennifer, Kathy, Heidi, Jessica from Asian Madness Podcast, Cami, Sarah, Catherine, Ed, Lacey, thank you all very, very much. Uh, all you $10 pledges, which would be Lacey, Sarah, Cami, and Jennifer, please let me know, get a hold of me, and um, we will set up a time for our Skype call that you guys are entitled to every month. Uh, me and Heidi will be doing ours here tonight on Sunday here in a couple hours, so that'll be pretty fun. And then we got... I'd like to thank Steven as well for the one-time donation. Cammy. I'll be getting a hold of you to see what episodes you want to do live over Skype. And just so you guys know, the $30 tier in the Patreon is a one-time donation just to my PayPal email. And then uh, we can set up a time and a case that I do live for you over Skype, and then we can talk about it afterward. Um, I appreciate everybody. Thank you very, very much. I hope you guys are enjoying the Patreon episodes so far. And uh, I got some pretty good ones to come. So that's a, that's a good thing. All right. So with that being said, I suppose today we're going to be talking about the Indiana poltergeist fires that was, that happened in a small town. I believe it's pronounced Odin. And pretty much this is how the story goes. In June of 1941, it was morning on the on the Hackler farm. A guy named William Hackler, just a regular day, eats breakfast, and he goes out, uh, leaves his house to go out and do his chores. And while he's outside, he notices that there is smoke coming out of one of the second-story windows of his house. So he goes and he runs back inside, goes upstairs, and he sees what is described as a medium-sized fire underneath the window. But this fire is not on the exterior of the wall. It's actually coming from the inside of the wall. So he sends for the volunteer fire department, and they come out, and they put the fire out. Uh, pretty run-of-the-mill, the uh, the fire department leaves, and just about as soon as they get get uh, back to the to the fire department, they get another call, but this time it is from Mrs. Hackler, and she states that another fire had started inside the mattress of her bed in another separate room. So the fire department comes back, and there were more fires that had sprung up just in this one day, and the fire department ended up not leaving for for quite a while. All these objects and uh, even parts of structure of the house started uh, catching fire spontaneously. And the most notable ones that were mentioned was one of the firemen uh, noticed smoke coming from one of the bookshelves. They noticed that it was coming out of a specific book. So he goes and picks up the book, opens it up and it is smoldering and on fire from the inside while the cover of the book is still perfectly intact. Another one that is mentioned is a pair of overalls that were in the kitchen had spontaneously caught fire along with a dishwasher that was damp at the time of it catching fire as well. 
Now, all in all, throughout this one day, there were 28 spontaneous fires that broke out that have no explanation. Some of the ways they tried explaining it, writing it off, were rogue magnetic fields, gases seeping from an unused well that was very close nearby, and then the hackler children, you know, playing pranks and starting all these fires. Now, there's no real definite explanation for it. These were just kind of explanations that they offered up to try to write it off. Now, after that one day, the fires never happened again. Now, on April 19th, 1941, uh, in Collier's Magazine, the very first time that this was written about is in an ad for the Traveler's Insurance Agency, and that's where it actually detailed these fires and this story for the first time. Now, there's a few websites that tell this story, and obviously it's a very short one with limited information, not much detail other than that. But as far as we know, the fires never happened again. And the Hackler house, uh, William Hackler, ended up demolishing his house on July 4th because he was so kind of freaked out by these fires. Now, what he did was he used the materials from taking down that house and he built another house uh, a couple miles away. And again, the fires never happened again. So it's a really interesting story. Like I said, not much detail, but in order to look at this case objectively from the paranormal aspect, from the science aspect, I have invited a special guest on, and it is Megan. She is uh, seriously awesome. She's the host of Data Not Shown, which is a podcast that has not been released yet, but it will be here soon enough. And uh, you're going to listen to our discussion about this. So joining me right now is Megan. You uh, want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Megan? Yeah, uh, I'm Meg. Uh, I guess you could start out with my education. Uh, I'm a molecular biologist by trade, uh, uh, biotechnology as well. Um, I currently instruct at a university and also uh, manage a lab there. I'm starting a show called Data Not Shown. It's on Instagram, Facebook, soon to be Twitter. Yeah. Whenever we get on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we talk about uh, philosophy of science, um, current science events. And really what we're looking to do is bridge that gap between general public and science and philosophy and skepticism. Kind of like a, a not asshole brand of skepticism is what we like to say. Yeah. We are talking today about the Odin fires. And I uh, approached you with this because I wanted somebody from a scientific background to maybe shed some light, maybe debunk it, and just uh, talk with us about it, I guess. So, um. So what did you what did you think about this case when I initially uh, when I initially sent it your way? I found it to be really nifty. There was a lot of cool facts and weirdness to it, and I'm always down for a good story. So it was fun to read and get that chill. Yeah, <laughs> and for uh, sure. what was more fun for me because this isn't like a really well known uh, case, or it hasn't been broadcast that well no uh, the, the rest of the skeptic community hasn't gotten a hold of it yet exactly. so i was <laughs> I, I got to do yeah a lot of my own research on it and uh, i did look into 
try to look into what the community itself says, but You're the I didn't first. find anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like staking my claim, putting the flag in the ground. Yeah. Uh, but before I get too deep into, or we get too deep into this, I don't want to be a debunker here. Um, so my you're idea allowed, is You're allowed to be, though. I mean... I personally approach paranormal shit as a skeptic, but with an open mind. And I know me and you personally have had like a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff uh, personally. Well, I just don't want to come off as like, this was my goal to come in here and do this. The idea of, of my brand of skepticism, I'll claim it as mine, is to inject doubt into uh, a claim of something. Mm-hmm. Not saying that, you know, the alternative theories that I suggest are right or um, have, you know, because there's, it happened so long ago and there's only so much evidence to go off of. What I say is interesting, but there's not a lot of evidence to it either. I'm just introducing other ideas and other theories with that. Now, there are things where I could say that I have more evidence for um, in other subjects, but I don't want to come off as like, I'm coming in here to do the debunk and like, I don't know. Be the party pooper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're totally allowed to be because, like, you know, as you know, like, I'm all about, like, facts and evidence. And, you know, if there's a way we can debunk the shit out of this, we can. And and like you said, though, like, that's the one thing I found is, like, there's very limited information on this. And it's not very well known at all. And I've I've literally tried sending this to so many uh paranormal podcasts and for some odd reason nobody will fucking do it and it's like it's such an interesting story that it's like how could you not like it's it's so interesting but yeah i mean i guess (laughs) i I, i'm surprised nobody really wanted to and what was slightly frustrating for me when i was doing the research was not being able to find much about the family that was probably the most frustrating so in a way i could kind of like it's really super interesting but i could see like if i was a podcaster maybe shying away from it just because the limited amount of information about the family and being able to delve into like you know were the kids assholes that would do something like this yeah for sure you know yeah, yeah. What uh, I did, or are they just a family of fucking pyromaniacs? Or <laughs> yeah, right. Know, is this kind of legit? Yeah, anything like that would have been great. Or what happened to them after this day um, mm-hmm. happened um, would have been phenomenal. I'm excited because I I went into all kinds of weird subjects that I didn't think I would get. I went into house construction and. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bed bug extermination, which I will go into later, shit like that. When you when you fucking told me, you're like, I even contacted a contractor friend of mine, and I'm like, good, good. <laughs> well, like, in all honesty, though, I mean that does play somewhat of a factor when you're when you're trying to either prove it or disprove it or whatever you want to call it, man. You got to look at all all aspects of it. And I was like, this fucking woman right here, she's on top of it. Oh yeah, like and well you well the whole thing about getting into shit like this is like you have to go back into that time period. What did they have at that time period? What were yes. the you can't just take things for granted. Yeah. Um, like, oh yeah, they had fire retardant uh installation. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It was an electrical fire. Case closed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Like, oh uh, yeah, really? But I got I got some fun stats on that too. I think I did that one on my own. So yeah. So um, so, uh, so what do you got for us? Well, I did my base research off of basically the one decent article that I found. You had it too. It was like a bunch of archived newspaper uh, reports. So if you go around to to different places that have the stories, I know when Weird Indiana had it too. Mm, yeah. Uh, the book. So they had April of 1941, uh, but the newspaper had June 28, 1940. Yeah, because I was wondering about that too. Yeah, so I just did all of my assumptions based off of that. Okay. I felt like that was more credible. Yes. Periodic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the closest I got to the actual event. So, let's see. So, I'm not sure. The Weird Indiana had a lot of of more detail into, like, the whole story itself. Um, like, what he was doing when it first happened. And... Well, and it makes... A lot of that makes me wonder is where they got this information. Yeah, see, they didn't... Ha- they don't have the sources in the book. But, but yeah. okay... Okay, and, and I will say this, like, one thing that will drive me absolutely insane, and you'll hear it on my show, too, this whole thing of not showing sources or not showing data, hence the name data not shown, is yeah. what gets under my skin. Well, I'm going to start <laughs> posting all, of, I'm going to start posting all of my sources, and literally on a show note, I'm going to say, here, Megan, just <laughs> And there's going to be like a hundred fucking sources posted. I'm just going to do it just to be a smart ass. <laughs> no, know, not really. <laughs> You're like, that's going to be too much time to be a smart ass. It will do. <laughs> like, I enjoy being a smart ass, but not that much. <laughs> so, okay. I went off the initial uh, report. So I go that it was a little home of William Hackler. The home was two and a half miles out of the city. Um, It did say that the house afterwards did uh, did have considerable damage. Started at 8 a.m. and happened throughout the day, but none of them were really serious fires. With a total of 25 fires all together throughout the day, that just like randomly started out in different places in the house. And then a bunch of people were brought in, so there was multiple fire departments brought in, and they became like a county talk and everybody came to see it which i grew up in small town so like i'm totally (laughs) familiar with something (laughs) being a spectacle like oh so-and-so is having this down at their house so everybody's kind of helping them out they help move their stuff out and during the evening times because they were worried that the house was just going to get engulfed Mm -hmm. um but they had a last brief fire at 11 p.m on a friday and then that was it. And then the next report comes July 4th, 1940. And they say that the town helped tear it down. Oh, that was it. And it that says in the article it was the most photographed building. And what drove me nuts was it said that, but then I'd go and try to Google images yeah. and i could not find a single one <laughs> same here i was very irritated by that i'm like how in the fuck are you gonna say that and literally i can't find anything anywhere single source nope sucked 
Um, so fire started, uh, were stated to start on the roof uh, in the middle of a mat mattress, uh, a curtain, a large damp towel, dish towel that was on a nail in the kitchen, a medicine cabinet, but inside the medicine cabinet, um, upholstery, and a book within the desk drawer that was filled with other papers and whatnot. But it was like inside the inside the book. And there was no signs of uh, fire on the outside margins. Out of everything in the newspaper report, I want to call bullshit on this yeah. one particular thing because you, you, need, you need some basic elements to have a fire. And I don't see a closed book being able to, and perhaps this is the, paranormal aspect of it perhaps or the unexplainable aspect of it but i don't necessarily know if i if i completely trust that one statement out of it and the reason why i say that is because again we're still looking at a small news report out of a small paper yes there's going to be embellishment so i could imagine like a fire starting in the drawer or something like that and it leading to this being said but i question that statement out of all of them so I don't know. The weird Indiana had a lot more uh, stuff. Um, they said he was he was a farmer that was going out and uh, smelled smoke while he was leaving the house and found a fire on the upstairs wall. And then he called the fire department. They got extinguished. Another fire broke up in the upstairs bedroom inside the mattress. Not outside, but inside the mattress. And then the fire department was called again. It was put out 11 a.m. Nine fires were found and extinguished. Wall calendar, bedspread, and that book, like it was reported in the uh, news article. Mm -hmm. And then at 2 p.m., two adjoining counties and 100 firefighters came out. Suggest uh, about 3 p.m. That's when they're, they're all working on that. And then, yeah, it ended at 3 p.m. And then they went to go sleep with her sisters, which was outside of the town. They tore down the house the next day and then salvaged the lumber and built a new home a few miles away. Mm -hmm. And then never had another fire after that. The only thing that I don't understand where the whole idea of a fire poltergeist really started, but you think, so the idea of a poltergeist, right, is it's a noisy spirit. Yes. A physical a person and not a place. So if it was a poltergeist, you'd think that when they rebuilt that house, they'd still have issues. And in my mind, it also kind of rules out the kids too, because mm -hmm. usually if a child's going around doing something like this, it's going to be an ongoing issue unless they get it, get caught and are reprimanded. So yeah, that's where that, so the two common things are to suggest that one, it was a kid's playing a prank. Um, and the other one is uh, an electrical fire that, they just didn't, I don't know how that works. I guess multiple electrical fires. I don't think either one really fit well, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, if the kids were starting a fire and news report talks about people watching the fire start. Like yes. they see that up on the roof and they'd be putting it out and another one would be starting on a curtain. So I don't think, one, they're going to let their kids into a house they think is going to be engulfed. Mm -hmm. And then... Secondly, I think with that many people there, they would notice a kid lighting a fire. And then the faulty electric, yeah, the one thing is saying like, oh, they didn't have electric in the house. And I was kind of curious on that if that was just like them saying that, but 
that's probably true that they didn't have electric in the house. Because that's what They're, I was thinking too. Yeah, so actually Roosevelt, a few years before this, yeah, and okay, in 32, only 10% of American rural uh, houses had electricity. So FDR implemented an, a Royal Electrification Administration, REA, to build it up over a 30-year time span. But the war interrupted that a lot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those houses in the middle of nowhere <laughs> still didn't have electricity at times. So it's completely plausible yeah. that they didn't have electricity. So those two are out for me for explanations. But the coolest one that I found for an, ex- an alternative explanation was an actual, I don't know if you saw this, on one of the websites, there was a comment after the article from a mm-hmm. Cindy Long. That was her username. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she said her grandmother knew the people with the unexplained fires. The story was even in a book of hauntings. A common occurrence in those days was to use kerosene on the walls for killing things like bed bugs. She always said it might ha- it may have been overuse that caused the fires combined with extra heat of that year. I know where the house used to be. It's in a tight valley with no ventilation. I kind of got intrigued with this and I looked mm-hmm. it up. So kerosene and gasoline were too common, were really commonly used, especially among the poor rural areas for uh, bed bug extermination. So they would literally go through the house and spray their curtains and their walls and their beds and soak it with kerosene to get rid of the stuff. Like I said, there's no report that they had bed bug issues. Of course, I don't think anyone would be like telling (laughs) everybody that. Oh, I'm having issues with bed bugs. Nobody wants to admit that kind of shit. Yeah. So June 1940 was not a record high year. So it was 70s. I looked at the the weather reports for that year. And it wasn't anything crazy hot. But those old houses, again, poor ventilation. That's that's like, uh, that's a probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So do I think that the ventilation could have an issue with it? Yeah, definitely. What about precipitation? Because if it was particularly dry. Yeah, and I so I didn't look that up. I was morally interested in the temperatures, but that could have definitely played a role if it was a particularly dry year. Oh, for sure. Um, The other cool thing that I found was, well, the other thing I thought about was gas leak. That time they usually had, like, it used to be, like, a thing to... Uh, tap into wells around there. I'm, I'm sure there's a ton of wells around there, right? Yeah. Yep. So they used to just tap into local wells instead of like actual big company wells. And the cool thing about that is they didn't start really um, odorizing natural gas until 38 because there was a huge school fire in Texas. And they, like they had a gas leak. So before natural gas is naturally an odorless uh, gas. You can't smell it. Yeah. And they they add a chemical into it so that it gives that nasty egg rotten egg smell. But a lot of rural communities would just tap into local wines and it'd still be odorless. Well, that kind of got regulations started coming in in '38 because I think it was something like 274 kids died mm-hmm. um, in a, a gas explosion because it was an odorless because they were trying to save money, but. Um, So a gas leak would be another thing that could have played a factor into this. The biggest thing, like, we could ask is, 
okay, so if you're suggesting that it started with kerosene or it started with a gas leak, so, so fucking what? They come, they put it out, it's done, right? Yeah. Like there shouldn't have been 25 other small fires throughout the day. Well, here's the cool thing that I learned from my construction guy. This was in an era where they had balloon frame buildings and not platform frame like we have today. So balloon frame construction is basically, I'm not going to use the right terminology because this isn't my thing. (laughs) (laughs) The the supporting beams. Okay. For a balloon house, start at the foundation and go all the way fucking up through into the roof, right? Mm-hmm. So you got these gaps in the wall and even in the floors, separating the floors, and that's all connected. And it's a huge fire risk. They didn't know that back then. Yeah. Today we use platform construction, which literally all they do is they, they build one floor on top of another. So those those floors are completely separated. And then they put fire retardant stuff in there too. So it's completely plausible that a fire started. And that's why the interesting thing is one suggested that uh, the fire started in the upstairs wall. So it's completely plausible that they were seeing kind of like a mushroom, right? They saw the mushroom on top, but they didn't see the underlying filament. The fire was still going inside the walls and spreading but they were having these random fires pop up because it was, say it started in the wall, right? They mm-hmm. put that out and there's still one and one pops up on the floor. They put that out. Well, that damage allows for more oxygen, more coals or hot stuff to escape and land on the bed or do you see what I'm saying? Random fires or look like random fires, but they're still part of that main fire. Yeah, and you got the you got to think about like uh like you were saying about the kerosene and the gasoline used to, you know, for for bed bugs or or any kind of other bugs, um, fumes, you know, if it's a particularly dry year and there's not much ventilation, and you have these fumes, you know, that that too, I suppose, I don't know. I was a little bit of a fire bug when I was a kid, so. Fumes were like the greatest shit ever. And if you want to know about fumes, get that can of Aquanet and a fucking Bic lighter. You'll find out about fumes real quick because we used to do that thing with a Bic lighter where you hold it in your hand or or in your mouth. You don't inhale Uh it, but you get that fume in there. And I mean, you can create balls of fire just out of absolutely nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm not condoning that. Don't fucking do it. Okay, because I don't need any hate mail, but yeah, it's uh, you know, dumb shit like that. Um, but I do. There's one thing that um about this case that I'm really intrigued about is the books. How would you think? I don't know if you touched on any of that really um in your research, but um, the books burning from the inside out. Yeah. This is why, this is the one, that's the one thing I can't explain. That, and that's why, like, when I, when I went through the one thing I questioned the most, because it seems so fantastical. It does. And you're like, <laughs> and everybody's probably, like, screaming at 
phone well, right I now mean, like no shit that's the paranormal <laughs> no but you <laughs> know like the the thing that caught me was that was one of the things that the people from the fire department had actually documented and not the family themselves and that's why i i don't know that particular thing right there was like i found that super intriguing yeah and and i can't just because like i mean when you look at it chemically you need oxygen and you need a fuel and mm-hmm. you know you need that spark like oh, shit. yeah yeah you know what i'm saying so like i i don't see where it gets that inside the middle of a book exactly yeah because there's um, no oxygen there yeah so and some of the reports said that the book was smoldering not on fire but it was it was actually smoldering yeah. and they okay. opened it and it was like there was burnt marks in it mm-hmm. and my only thought my only other thought or alternative to this would be uh, that the book was open and something landed on it and somebody shut it and threw it in the threw it in the desk and it started to smolder. See, they, <laughs> they give you enough information with a story to hang yourself. Really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? like, I know. There's really not... Uh, like a whole lot I can say this is absolute bullshit because of X, Y, and Z and here's the evidence I can say well it could have been kerosene and they could have been killing bed bugs bug bugs were an issue during that time period (laughs) I can say all this fun stuff but I think what really caught me though was the building construction and like after looking at it and the, the looking into how fires spread and stuff, it, it looks like that is more than possible where you'd see the symptoms of a larger fire, but wouldn't necessarily see the larger fire themselves. And they're like, you can say like, oh, the fire department would probably like think of that. Well, not really, because they didn't know that Bloom Construction Houses had this problem yet. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't really a, you know, and the rural area. I wouldn't really expect them to be on the cutting edge. No offense to no areas, just we're not on the cutting edge. (laughs) Yeah, I can uh, speak for that personally. So. Yeah, so, I mean, that that was like, I don't know. And the fact that I just, what really made me curious, because a year later, they had that ad go on, right? For Mm -hmm. Traveler's Insurance, which I Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it said... um, will protect you from fires or something like that, even if it's super or supernatural or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it seems like this like whole thing of it becoming a fire poltergeist. Came how from. did it get from, yeah. Like, so how did it get to like, because it doesn't seem like the family spoke out a lot about it a lot. And that is the one thing that I noticed too. It's like the family themselves never really came out and said we're haunted like yeah there's there's got to be some it seems like the media or the people around it just found this story like so fantastical and just kind of ran with it and it just kind of uh just kind of form like just kind of built up around itself into like this this story i guess you know and no i totally yeah I agree with you there. That was, that was the one thing that really bothered me because like in most poltergeist or paranormal stories, like that's, that's the main 
people telling the story are the actual people involved, like the families themselves. And like in this case, not so much, like not at all. Yeah. And you don't see any, like, you know, there's no reports of other, it's just, it's so random. Uh, And there's no build up to it. There's no, there's nothing afterwards. Like no matter what, they, they never had an issue with fire after this. And the Indiana one says that, you know, or the weird, the, the account from the in, uh, weird Indiana says that they, they moved a few miles away mm-hmm. at the house. The news reports don't say that. And I don't know the sources. So exactly. <laughs> that sucks. I wish I would have been able to vet his sources. I trust me. I agree. That was like one of my big things too. Because, I mean, like, if he has, like, local sources of people that were actually there, like, fuck, man, share, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> where the fuck are you getting all this information? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the actual fuck are we doing over here, Indiana? And, I mean, I'm allowed to talk shit about Indiana because I'm from <laughs> here. But, um, you know, out of all the paranormal cases, like, that are documented, this is, like, it's a well-known one around here. Mm-hmm. And it's quote unquote documented. But when you actually backtrack and like look for newspaper articles and, and I know you search the archives and stuff and it's just like, where in the fuck are they coming up with all this information? Like, yeah. And you think like after the travelers ad, like people have been like, what the hell is that? Who's that? Like, I mean, that was a national ad, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. why weren't there interviews with the damn family? Why wasn't there? Come on, like. Yeah, unless it was one of those highly religious families that literally were like, oh, what's the word? I hate to say superstitious about talking about it, uh, because I mean, yeah. I've you know I've heard of That's stories true. like that to where mm-hmm. you know a, a family in Indiana is not. I mean, there's a lot of Catholics in certain towns, but Indiana is a lot of. Uh, you know, Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists and Baptists. And uh, for them, like part of it is, uh, you know, out of sight and out of mind type thing. Like if you don't talk about it, it won't happen again. Or, you know, if you talk about it, it's going to be a bad omen and it's going to come back. Um, Oh, yeah. Or you're inviting evil. Or you're inviting it back in. And especially in that time period, you know, in the early 40s, you know, late 30s. But still, though, in the same regard, I I mean, I could see that being the reason why the family would never talk about it. But at the same time, like none of those kids came forward, you know, 50 or 60 years later and was like, yeah, that was my house. This is what happened. Like none of that shit. That would have been like a perfect little piece. I mean, even locally, if they just went to a local newspaper and said, hey, this happened and here's why. Like, you know, like the whole story. Yeah. So it kind of boggled my mind. Like there is so much information out there, but then there's, there's not. It's yeah, it's not uh, credible. It's not credible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I tried to look up other fire poltergeist cases. Well, I was more interested in trying to get like what the I mean, skeptic community in general will put poltergeist cases up to pranksters for the most part. Yeah. And there's been well documented cases of people getting caught basically pranking. So like. In 32, there was um, 
Bladenboro, yeah. North Carolina. North Carolina had three days. Okay, for three days, an elderly couple in their house uh, were plagued with something like thirty fires, no, twenty fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it sounded really similar, a kind of similar to this one, but the kicker was like it never happened when they were gone. So when they were out to church, nothing ever happened, and they were gone for a night to have the city inspect like the gas and the electric and all the not well, maybe not the electric i don't know it was electric too but just yeah. to check the house to see if it was if there's anything wrong that would explain the fires uh when they were gone that night nothing happened it all got blamed on their 20 year old daughter 21 year old daughter katie because one nothing happened while they were gone so they automatically they put that as in well if there if it was a poltergeist it would have happened when they were gone too but yeah. again if see i try to play both worlds here because i see their logic and saying like hey every time she gone she's gone nothing happens hint hint at the same time uh i know that a lot of people that are into poltergeist say that poltergeist is attached to a person and you know, a lot of times, and I think there's even one theory that they're an actually like somehow an extension, right? So yes. if they're super worked up or upset, then the poltergeist stuff will happen, but it's not exactly. really under control. I mean, you can take that as evidence for that she was haunted by poltergeist. So I don't know. Tato on that one. Yeah, pretty much. And that's that's kind of along the lines of the one I'm going to send you when we're actually done recording. And that's why I think you'll find it very interesting. That'd be cool. I like yeah. that. I'll <laughs> be up better, till like 3 a.m. now. This one, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, why the fuck didn't you send me this one a month ago, dude? <laughs> right? Give me something that I can like dissect I, the people. <laughs> yeah, give me something I can work with here. But um, it's it's an interesting story it is. And like what you said was on point. It's just... Personally, for me, it's a great story. I mean, I I guess in the religious factor, I can understand why the family themselves never came out and said anything or spoke for themselves. But at the same time, that doesn't account for 50 years later when some of them kids were growing up or anybody else in town, you know, was older. But it's like it's so unconfirmed, you know. Yeah, and that's so, why, like, when you first sent me it, I found the, a bunch of the a bunch of sites like repeating the stories, somewhat different versions. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so like that's when I actually started looking for archival stuff because I was like, I need to make sure this actually happened. happened. Yeah, yeah. So like, and when then when I found it that it happened, then you see the news articles and you're like, well, shit. <laughs> Because it, <laughs> on the first part, it seems really interesting and, and fantastical. So, like, my first inkling was, like, well, did this really happen then? And uh, because you think, like, I, I was thinking I'd find news blurs of the, with the family and interviews. And no, no. Nope, no <laughs> Not a damn nothing. thing. Yep. I mean, I was in the same boat. So I was like, well, I was like, maybe Megan found something. And, uh, I don't know why, but I always prefer that, uh, you know, if I have somebody on or have somebody co-host that we, I mean, we can trade information back and forth, Mm -hmm. but 
I think it's more exciting to say, you know, if somebody's like, oh, I found this and it's like, you know, the other person's like, oh, shit, I didn't find that. That's fucking awesome. That that changes my mind on this and that. But it's it's comforting for me to know that you found absolutely jack shit, too. Yeah. So, like I went on a genealogy site and I was like, OK, well, maybe I can find like, you know, maiden names and look for them. And yeah, I was like, yep. no, no, nope. nothing. No, 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 nothing. Good. And that's what it really surprised me. me. No, it wasn't just you. <laughs> okay, good. That's why I was like, I, I think I texted you because I was like, did you find anything on the family? Because then I was feeling like, maybe I am bad at research. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> my fucking life is fucked. I'm a scientist. <laughs> like, <what laughs> I can't am... even do basic research anymore. I'm so screwed. <laughs> No, I I dug deep and I've actually had this in the backlog for doing it for quite some time. And I, you know, every, every, every now and then I'll go back to it because I'm usually like doing a few um, like little projects at once. And, uh, you know, I'll always refer back to this, you know, I'll be bored or something. And it's like, man, you know, maybe if I look here, I can find some, I didn't find shit. And it's like, God, yeah, but, no. um, yeah. But anyway, Megan, unless you have um, any more to uh, add. I mean, the only thing I can give you is, I mean, looking into poltergeist activity in general and Mm -hmm. fire poltergeist. The the only other alternative suggestions other than a prankster from the skeptical viewpoint, which they actually made it a syndrome. The idea that... um, between like psychological factors like wishful thinking and illusions and memory lapses can cause these. And in 1998, there was a study where they were able to basically replicate poltergeist experiment experiences or have Mm -hmm. people think they're having poltergeist experiences basically through illusion and uh, ambiguous stimuli. So putting random sounds in the house at times. Um, a door creaking, stuff like that. I mean, and you got weird cases like in '57 in Melbourne, they found that they were, they thought they were having a poltergeist. Well, it actually turned out to be really weird air currents that were coming down through the chimney. Mm-hmm. So, like the chimney, the the downdrafts from the chimney were so strong that it could blow mirrors off the wall, <laughs> turn Damn. chairs over, and knock <laughs> stuff off the shelf. So, well, uh, and the only other that's stuff not very that, exciting. No, <laughs> I'd be kind of freaked out though. Like if my chip, like, yeah, that would be cool. But uh, 1950, Gray Williams suggested that it would be like underground movement of underground water that could cause these issues. But uh, there's no empirical data to suggest he's able to actually show that could happen. And the only other one that I heard seen was seismic activity, mm-hmm. but again, that hasn't. They did do a study, and they actually screwed up the house more so than like <laughs> being able to move stuff in the house. So that was kind of debunked on its own. But yeah, I don't know. It's fun looking into all the stuff, and like I was, I was just excited to like. I don't know why it was exciting, but learning about balloon construction, being like, oh no way. Yeah, and it, I mean, it makes perfect sense, you know what I mean, back then and the the gaps and, and stuff like that. And I don't know, it makes sense to me, I suppose, and just the general construction of the house. Well, I mean, you don't think about, like, that playing a role into it. Like, it really didn't dawn on me until I talked to him, like, and I was like, oh, yeah, 
<laughs> no, that's awesome that you um that you found that for sure. Um but yeah, I suppose uh I can't thank you enough for for looking into this for me and uh participating. Yeah, no um, problem. I'm glad you had a little bit of fun with it and all that good stuff too, so Yeah, I mean anytime you, you want somebody to add a little doubt into things, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> because when it comes to paranormal cases, like I said, I'm always very I'm very skeptical, but I always try to keep an open mind and uh you know, I've come across some things that I just can't disprove and uh you know, and when it comes down to like just you know, general I don't want to say physics, but mm-hmm. general like, dude, this is fucking impossible. There's no goddamn way this could ever happen. But in all reality, it's like prove it wrong. You know, like like how like I understand, you know, the scientific a- aspect, but at the same time, it's like, let's, you know, let's create some shit. God damn it. Like, <laughs> I want to start a fire with my mind in a fucking room. Like, and then I'll be convinced, you know, that this is true. So yeah, I'm like super weird about that shit. Just trying to get people to think critically about things not just yeah. not settling on one belief and foreclosing on something and saying fuck the rest of the shit i found the one true way i found the one true thing and that's it yeah and, for sure and, and a skeptic is we want to open you back up and we be like no wait there's so much more you're missing because you're so so shut off and, and so for me that's what I, how i see it i want to be comfortable with i don't know i want to be able to look at truth claims that i'm I accepted myself and look at them skeptically and say, well, maybe I'm wrong and being okay with that. I wish people would be a little bit more open to that, you know, instead of just getting so dug in on one damn viewpoint. No. Yeah. I totally, totally agree. And it's like, let's just, I don't know. I'm just, I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm not going to go through life with one arm tied behind my back thinking that this is the only right way to think. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, it's like, you know, it's like maybe, you know, we should look into this a little bit more because there's some things that don't make sense. But in this particular case, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot that doesn't make sense, but not in a good way. You know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's like what the actual fuck is going on in Indiana here, man. I I kind of wish there was like subsequent fires that'd be more interesting. For sure, for sure. I I sound like a, I sound like a dick saying that, but like, like no, (laughs) they moved, and then there's more fires. I'd be like, no shit. (laughs) Unfortunately, like I think a great story like that somebody just ran with, and then it got taken over by this other person who might have added some other stuff and printed an article about it. And then it just turned out to be like a word of mouth story that just like sprung up into this poltergeist thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, like it's cool to know that it actually did. I say, I hate saying like, Oh, it's so cool. It actually did happen. Well, it wasn't cool for them, but to, to, it's interesting to go back and see, like it definitely happened, but like, where it gets this paranormal aspect. Yeah, it seems like that that was the buildup 
from the community around it. Like, and why not? You know, I mean, you yeah, grow, grow sure. up in a rural community. There's always that one section of woods. There's always that, you know, one house, you know, where somebody did something, this mm-hmm. or that. And you know what? That you talk about Indian burial, burial grounds. Okay. My God. <laughs> How many? Like, have you ever watched, uh, like, the A&E, like, the paranormal oh, stories? Yeah. I, 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 I love stories. You have no idea. So I'll sit there it's and fun. binge on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll binge on them while I'm, like, doing something else just because. Oh, of course. Uh, but, my God, Indian burial ground comes up in, like, four out of five of them. That's not hard statistics, but I'm saying that's a pretty good guesstimation because it probably is like about three to four out of five of them. And it's just like, it's always a fucking Indian burial ground. <laughs> like how, well, how many I mean, people were buried everywhere? Right. Know? And then you can, you can actually go, you can, that's a decent argument. I mean, there's what, 9 billion people on this world, this earth. And I think, oh, shit, I don't remember the number, but it's been calculated like it's close to what's living right now of how many people have already existed on this earth. So if you take that into account, pretty much like if people have died pretty much everywhere we are. <laughs> so like the whole idea that, you know, somebody died here, mm-hmm. isn't like, you know, or somebody was buried there within time. Sure. That's completely plausible. I mean, shit, we've been over here for, what, 10,000 years or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right so, I mean, yeah. I'm sure lots of people died. Shit. We should have recorded this earlier. I'm sitting, like, <laughs> in my office. It's in my basement, in my cold room. I converted it to my office because my house is full right now. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I converted it. Now I'm sitting in my basement talking about, you know, people dying. It's great. And Indian burial grounds. Indian burial grounds. they are everywhere. All right, <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you uh, agreed to check this shit out and participate with me. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like I like that. Anytime you want to throw one this, uh, throw one my way. Yeah, I'm for more sure. than happy to do it. I wish I would have been able to explain the book thing. That kind of irked me. You know, maybe it didn't even fucking happen. You know, we don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, see, that sucks. All right. <laughs> See you later. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Bye. Bye.